Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 651 with Tanya Sanchez. You can't expect your employees to care about what you're doing and to take, you know, your business as carefully and, you know, honor it like you do if you don't show that you care about them. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. It doesn't get easier than Cake. Cake is the point of sale built for restaurants that's easy to set up and use. With cloud-based access from any device, 24-7 customer support, and a lifetime access to Cake University, how could you not love Cake? To learn more about Cake point of sale, head over to trycake.com slash unstoppable. And because you're a restaurant unstoppable listener, you will save $750 off activation. Again, that's trycake.com slash unstoppable. Stoppable. For years, restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants, and they finally got it. Restaurant 365 is a cloud-based, all-in-one, restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with POS systems, payroll providers, and food and beverage vendors. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and a free inventory build in Restaurant 365 a value of $5,000. Here is a statistic for you. 89% of all guests will research a restaurant online before dining out. So you've got to start thinking about how you can extend your in-house hospitality and attention to detail to the online world. Bento Box is a great place to start. They will develop a restaurant website that not only leaves lasting impressions with your guests, but also provides hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online and guests into your restaurant. Sign up today at Get. Bento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, a long time coming, Tanya Sanchez. Tanya, are you feeling unstoppable today? Absolutely, Eric. Yes, and I know you're unstoppable. And every once in a while, I get to get somebody on the show who I know really well, and I cannot be more excited for this conversation. No pressure, Tanya. Oh, I feel humbled <laughs> and honored. So thank you so much, Oh, Eric. you're going to be awesome. So Albuquerque native, Tanya Sanchez developed a passion for food at a young age while cooking with her father. Her dreams of becoming a restaurant owner began to bubble up during her years as a college student working in both corporate and independent restaurant settings. Fast forward 10 years in marketing, design, and as a small landscaping business owner, and it was time for Sanchez to take action on her dreams of becoming a restaurant owner. In 2015, the process leading into what would become Brixton started and it's been a five-year uphill battle for Sanchez overcoming one hurdle after another her hard work and dedication are finally starting to pay off as Brixton's is rapidly becoming a staple in the Albuquerque dining scene and I cannot wait to share your story and your inspirational story really like you've come you overcome so much mm-hmm. and you'll learn why I know this as we get into it but uh <laughs> why don't we get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra what do you got for us Um, I have so many, but the one that I always fall back to is that if you settle for good, you'll never have the courage or the motivation to go for great. Mm, Dive into why that resonates with you. Um, I think it's so easy to kind of get stuck in that status quo. You know, you figure out even a recipe or you figure out a 
way of doing things and it works. And so all of a sudden you start to get comfortable. And then if you live in that, that time where you're just comfortable, you're not going to take that step to say, but how can I make it better? And that's really my goal. Every day I look for ways to make Brixons and make me personally better than I was the day before. So I'm always pushing for greatness. Yeah. And it's like, whenever you feel uncomfortable, that's a sign that you're doing it right. Like that's where growth happens in those areas of discomfort and and growing and trying new things and becoming better is not easy. It's strange. It's, it pushes you outside of your comfort zone, but that's where growth happens. And it's such a great way to start this conversation. So, um, so Tanya, I go back what now five years I think so yeah almost five four years at least 2015 yeah and it's almost 2020 so somewhere yeah, in there around that time so um <laughs> tiny's been listening to restaurant unstoppable since the early days and she was one of my first mastermind members so i've gotten her and a bunch of other people and i were getting together like once a month to to you know support each other and to to share knowledge and to be inspirational and to, to keep each other accountable so I've, I've been able to like sit right beside like watching watching this whole story unfold over the past four years and i just couldn't be more proud of you because you haven't had an easy go i mean you've been getting these curveballs thrown at you like not average curveballs and most people would have you know packed it up and quit a long time ago and i just need to salute you for for having that dedication for showing up continuously given all the challenges you've had and here you are today four years later i can't i can't be more excited to share your story and where does it start take us to where it makes sense to start telling your story um you mentioned in the intro but i always start with my dad he is You know, I always have you ask about like mentors or people who led you. And for me, it's my dad. I mean, I know that sounds kind of silly, but it's just the truth. To dive into that, what is it about your dad that do you think, how is he really, I mean, that's a hard question to answer, right? But like, what is it about your dad that's been so inspirational for you? Um, so him and my mom separated when I was really young and my dad, I was, I spent time with both of them, but my dad just took on the idea of being a dad and everything that that entails to heart. And so I was always put first, which it's hard to, it's hard to put somebody before yourself. I I don't do it. I'm not a parent, (laughs) Um, but he did. And so anything that I showed interest in, you know, it was cooking from a young age and he just supported that, developed it. Um, He took me to fine dining when I was a child. I mean, I was eating scallops and escargot at like five. (laughs) (laughs) Who does that? Um, but yeah, he just always supported me and always made sure that if I had an interest in something, he was going to let me completely develop that. And I feel it's a really unique and I'm very blessed to have had it. That's awesome. I love it. So, but you didn't really start working in restaurants until college, right? At this point, you, a food is just a passion of yours. Yeah. So my first, my first job was at a little smoothie shop, you know, when I was in, um, in high school. But yeah, I didn't really start working in food until I was in college. And then I worked, um, as you mentioned, um, I worked at some big chains like Bennigan's, um, Olive Garden. And then I worked at some independents, um, some locally owned bars that served some food, a locally owned pool hall that's actually right I think over there. I taking me there yeah. my first visit. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and I just loved it. I loved it right away. I mean, from the second that I started out as a hostess, getting to um, interact with people and really learning about how much influence you can have on somebody's day with just a brief interaction of feeding them. And it's something that's so soulful. Get into like a specific uh, example of the, the impact you had on someone's day or really dive into what it is really that you love about the industry? So I, you knew these questions were coming. I know. I know. <laughs> um, I've always heard that people have different love languages. I'm sure you've heard that for me. Mine has always been cooking. Like if I love you, I'm going to totally cook for you mm. and show you that through like, 
I'm going to find out what your favorite food is. I'm going to find out what your favorite drink is. And I'm going to create this whole experience around it just to show you, like, that's how I show I care. Um, So the same was true um, in the restaurant industry right away. I would automatically, like, I was really good at finding regulars. And because I would find out about them, you know, what were they doing? How was their day? What makes them happy? And what can I do to provide that amazing experience for them? And so it just it just resonated with me right away. So there's some nuggets being dropped right now. How to find regulars taking an interest in them. If you want somebody to take an interest in you, show them how much you care about them. Find out everything there is to find out about them. That way you can serve them better. Um, and it just like when people care, like when, it just shows, right? And you, it, dive into that and really that process and how you you show your the people that you're, you're serving you care. Pull back some of those layers. I think the first thing is actually listening. Mm. Um, so when somebody comes in and they talk to you, if you are only halfway listening or you're thinking about a million other things that are going through your mind about what you have to do that day, you're not really taking an active interest in somebody's life. And people can tell, you know, it's, it's very obvious whether somebody is asking you like, how are you? And it's just like a flyby. Yeah. Are you going through the motions? Cause I'm supposed to ask or do you really give (laughs) a shit? Or if you actually care. And if you just spend that, you know, it doesn't take a ton of time, but if you just spend that extra second looking at somebody in the eye, making eye contact, asking follow-up questions, remembering somebody's daughter's name, remembering that their daughter is going to culinary school, asking about that next time they come in, then they're like, Oh my gosh, this person actually took enough time out of their life and their day to care about me. And that, creates a bond with somebody yeah and people don't do business with businesses people do business with people Mm -hmm. and every one of your employees has a regular because of that 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 relationship they're willing to build with that individual right so really encourage your people to make it more than just a transaction to make it a relationship and just to expand on that a little bit i think it's also huge to do that with your employees Mm. what do you Um, mean by that well Every morning when I come in, I say hi to every single person by name. Mm-hmm. I make sure to ask uh, how their dog is. If like, one of our one of our um, best servers just got a new dog that she adopted from the Humane Society, I'm always asking. I know their kids' names. I know their husbands' names. I take an active interest in them to show them that I care. You can't expect your employees to care about what you're doing and to take you know your business as carefully and you know honor it like you do if you don't show that you care about them. You've got to so, give before you yeah. Get, yeah. And so if you show that to your employees. And they're the ones that are dealing with your guests on an everyday basis, then they can take that same, you know, you lead by example and they'll do that same thing for your guests. So, yeah. So I think you kind of, you really dove into that. Well, thank you. So your passion for the industry was those relationships with the people you want to make their day. You want to show them that you love them. Keep going from there. Okay. Um, so that was on the personal side, on the intellectual side, it actually stimulated me. Uh, Bennigan's back in the day, at least the one that I worked at, it was great with systems. I mean, this was, early 2000s um and even back then we had a way to do everything you know we had a way to open it was all written down we had ways that we had to greet our tables everything that was I don't know if it was common but then I went to the independence and they had nothing written down and you know they had all this heart and they had all these big goals but I mean it just wasn't being achieved what was it like the transition from that controlled system to mayhem it was shocking. That's what, <laughs> that's what got me. And it's what stuck with me all these years is to see on one side, um, maybe not the heart, in my opinion, and this isn't trying to bash chain restaurants, but they don't have the heart. You know, mm-hmm. they, they don't have that owner that's constantly there that's put their heart, soul, blood, sweat, tears into soul, the restaurant. Right, yeah. um, but the independents do. But they have the, all those systems and they have everything to make it work. And they, they get these crowds. And, and I mean, back in the day, we had you know, two hour waits at Bennigan's. But then you go over to these independents that are putting their blood, sweat, tears and trying so hard. Um, And I still see it now. I still see 
a lot of these local restaurants trying so hard, but just not getting where they need to get because they don't put systems into place. They don't have standards. If the owner isn't there in the kitchen cooking, then you don't get the same meal that you would get otherwise. So, so some, sorry, go, go I was ahead. just saying, I just saw this huge dichotomy of, you know, over here, these are, this is what's making these chain restaurants run and be just so dynamic. But over here, I absolutely fell in love with the independent operations, but I saw that they just couldn't survive. And except for one, they all went out of business. And so it was just, I guess, an eye-opening experience. So reflecting back at this time, starting with your time at uh, Bennigan's, right? Well, yeah, we, actually we should, while real quick, we should probably uh, cheers, right? Officially, cheers. sorry, we should have started with the cheers. <laughs> and um, who are we drinking right now? Mm. Um, you're actually drinking. We're drinking two local beers. Um, you're drinking one from Ex Novo. It is their uh, Pearl Haggard Pilsner. Mm. Um, and I'm drinking one from Steelbender that I just spilled on myself. <laughs> <laughs> My first beer of the day, I promise. Um, but they're both two local breweries. Uh, Albuquerque is a huge brewery scene right now, and there's some really special and I'm fun stuff going on. I might have to make a stop on. before heading up yeah. to Colorado. Uh, so we were just, I was just going to ask you, thank you for diving into okay. giving a shout out to those breweries. Um, I was going to ask you, reflecting back at your time at Bennigan's, uh, what were some of the key lessons, some of the key systems that you pulled from that experience? I think... I don't, I mean, I was 19 years old at the time, which is almost 20 years ago. Um, But I just remember that when I, even when I got hired, like we had a full orientation packet. I learned systems right from the get-go. I remember that they had binders where if you didn't know something, you would be able to go to that binder and find out what the protocol was for doing it. Um, And I never had that anywhere else that I worked. And so it was just seeing something that was so well-developed um, that really, really. So the systems me. go beyond somebody's word of saying this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. The systems are committed. To, it's not a system until it's written down, until it's fixated, right? Because that way you don't drift from it, right? Well, and not only that, but to take it a step further, it's not a system until your employees know how to reference it. What do you so, mean by that? Dive into it. Um, right now, I'm still trying to work on getting all of our systems in place, and I constantly am updating them. But if they live on my computer. They may be written down, and I may know what they are, but if my employees can't go somewhere to access it... They still have to ask you what the system is, right? Exactly. You're you're still tied to the the business. You can't remove yourself unless it's written down someplace where they know, like, oh, this happened. If this, then what? Go to the operations manual. And so there has to be something that even even if I'm not in the building, the employees have to have somewhere that they can go to access the information to say what does Tanya want me to do in this exact situation? And they can get that information until that can happen. It's not really a system. It's still just an ideal. Yeah. So transitioning now to more of the soulful side of the business, the independence, what were, were there any key lessons you learned from any of the mentors there? Any people, um, anything you witnessed? I mean, you kind of dove into making it more than a transaction, more of a relationship, but what else did you pick up? What other habits did you pick up from these times in the independence? Um, I think I picked up both good, but a lot of, you know, they always say you can learn as much about what not to do. I'm not going to mention any names, um, but I had a couple of bosses who would These just... These people are still in your... Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I had a couple of bosses who would just get, I mean, drunk during shifts. Um, you know, they would be, would be so busy and they would just be yelling at us to get them drinks or to get their friends drinks above the guests. And so there's sometimes that you see like, you know, if I ever get to do this, this is what I want to do. But there's times when you get to look at something and you get to say, if I ever get to do this, I am never going to do that. So there's like, we hear that and it seems pretty obvious as to why you shouldn't do that. Right. But get specific. Like when you are witnessing these individuals acting the way they were acting, drinking too much, being drunk. What did you think about them? How did that make you feel? Um, I think that 
as an employee, it almost makes you resentful because we had to work so hard. Um, we, I worked at, at the time, the busiest bar in Albuquerque um, for the area that it was in. And we were busting our butts constantly. We would have five people deep at the bar and we were working so hard for them. And it's just almost demoralizing when you look to see the leader that is just... Supposed to be there in the trenches yeah. with you, right? Fighting shoulder by shoulder. And, and when you don't see that, it gets to... Um, they lost a lot of really good people. Um, The people that were left, you know, had to take steps up and then eventually all the good people left and eventually it closed. You know what I mean? You kind of see these things that if you're not, you, you gotta, you know, live your culture. Maybe that was the culture they had, but you can't expect anybody to work harder for your business than you're willing to work. So if you're out there partying, having a good time, drinking, not really caring about the business, um, then how can you expect anybody else who's right there with you to, to work harder? You know, so you're setting that tone. Anything else you want to add? Um, on the good side though, I did see, um, I saw how on the good side, I did have some really good, um, managers in the independence as well. And that's when I saw how much people are willing to work and stand behind and see when somebody sees you, um, and sees how hard you're working and sees the passion that you're putting into something, they want to be a part of that. And so I did get to see people that would, go above and beyond, even if they were getting paid less than they would get paid in a chain restaurant because they actually believed in the person or they believed in what was happening. And so I started seeing that there's so much more than just, you know, a paycheck. People are looking for something to belong to. What What are they looking for specifically? Like I said, I think they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Yes. Um, and so, you know, here... To feel valued, right? Yeah. They want to be seen. They want to know that what they're doing isn't just a paycheck, like you say, but like you're contributing to something greater. There's an overarching purpose or a mission, right? And that they matter, that what mm. they're doing actually matters. And I think that getting up and going to work, if you just feel like, why am I doing this? You're not going to put your heart and soul and put all the effort yeah. you can into it. But if you know why you're doing it and you feel like I'm an integral part of this business and I am helping you know this business this goal this dream come into being then you wake up excited and you so, go to work and so you're, you're yeah you're describing like the the result of good managers right? yeah. well, what a good manager will re, what will result from a good manager but what was it specifically that these managers what were the characteristics that, or what were these people doing that made them good managers get specific um i think transparency is key uh i remember that um one um local bar that was up the street from us that i worked at um we knew when they were going through a rough time and we all rallied behind them because like we didn't want to see that bar fail. So get, you know what, what kind I of mean? transparency, what kind of transparency were they giving you? How were they being transparent? Um, looking back at it now, you know, coming from, we've had really hard times here at Brixen's and it's really tempting to not want your employees to see that. It makes you really vulnerable. You get scared that they're going to, run the other way if you're not, you know, the strongest, best restaurant at all times. And it's scary. It's scary to be transparent. It's scary to be vulnerable, especially when you're leading and you have all these people looking up to you. But at the same time, um, you know, nobody's perfect and everybody's going to go through these bad times. And, you know, creating that family environment where you're whole group is going to lift each other up and help get through those hard times and creating that environment. Um, so I guess being vulnerable, being transparent, letting people know when you're doing really great and sharing those successes. And then also letting people know where you're failing and reaching out and saying, if anybody has a great idea, yeah. like let's get it, let's get you're in this dropping together. Gold on us right now, <laughs> Tanya. There's so many, so many values that are coming from this. And you know, when, when you are, um, 
when you're up against it and life is hard, right? Uh, it's sometimes it's not your instinct to hide your vulnerabilities because you don't want to give the, the appeal or you don't want people to think that you're, you're hurting because it makes you look weak. But the truth of the matter is when you are vulnerable and you open up and you're transparent, when you reveal your belly and you show your weaknesses, um, that is a recipe for trust. That is a re- like when when you show your weaknesses, people know that you have nothing to hide. When you have nothing to hide, they're going to trust you. And when you have that that trust, the speed of trust is amazing, right? You can accomplish so much more when there's that that level of trust there. And that's what happens when you open up. It's it's counterintuitive, right? But when you are vulnerable, you will develop trust between you and your team. And you mentioned something else that really resonated with me, and it's escaping my mind. Um, maybe it'll come back to me. Well, later. just to jump onto what you said, yeah. though, when you bullshit your employees, they know. Oh, you know what yeah. I mean? And if you're just known as a bullshitter, they're not going to trust a word you say. Mm-hmm. They and catch so, you in a lie. Exactly. Trust is gone, right? And then you can't rebuild that yeah. relationship the, or it's the, really hard to. Yeah. And the variable, the other variable that just came back into my mind was that uh, when you share your vulnerabilities and you lean on your team for support and you say, hey, like, what do you guys got? Like, what what are you thinking? Now you're opening the, the, the channels of communication and you're tapping into their strengths. They might have a whole new perspective or a whole new skill set that you never knew, but when you open up that channel of communication, they can contribute. They can bring more. Why, why limit yourself to one mind when you can have the mind of your team? Compound that by, you know, 5, 10, 20, 40, depending on how big your team is. Why not have access to that power? Right? Yeah. I love it. Great, great stuff. Um, anything else that's worth sharing uh, before we start talking about your personal story when you knew it was time time to, to open. I mean, I know you had a couple businesses, um, or at least one business that I know of. Yeah. Is it worth diving into that? Some of the, the lessons you learned specifically around partnerships? Um, <laughs> you on the, spot. <laughs> this is the danger when um, I know too much. <laughs> so, you know, I think the big thing that I did before I owned my own businesses is I was, um, I worked with the New Mexico Advertising Federation. So you did go to school. We should mention mm-hmm. you went to school for design and marketing. Yeah. Right? And, graduated. and then I went and I was the executive director of the New Mexico Advertising Federation. And although I can't, um, I didn't stay in that field, there were so many amazing people that I got to work with during that time. And, you know, I got to work with uh, the board members, which were all the owners of the best and most prestigious marketing firms. And that really inspired me. Um, Seeing how hard they had to work, how much they were putting forth um, to get where they'd gotten. Uh, I was a part of their Addies, which is their advertising awards. And um, the the mentors that I got during that time were, were something were important to me, I think, as developing, you know, because I was, I was still fairly young in my early 20s. And I think that that had a big, a big impact. All right, on drop me. a nugget on us. Give us one lesson you learned um, about marketing or anything from this experience working for these people. I think more than anything, when I went into business for myself, I learned how much you have to work. And I saw how hard, not, not just one of them, but all of them, you know, they were all 40 under 40 and, you know, this award and that award. And when you look at that prestigious of a group of people and you see the common denominator that they had to work their asses off to get where they are, you know that if you want to get there, you're also going to have to work your ass off. Yeah. That it doesn't come easy. It puts things into and perspective, Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so that's really what I took away from that is that um, nothing comes for free. You really have to work. But if you are in it and you love it, then you get there. And so, yeah. So eventually you moved on and you went to go open your own landscaping business. What brought that about? <laughs> that's a long story. That'll be a <laughs> <laughs> Here's the abbreviated version. <laughs> uh, the abbreviated version is that I had two really good friends that were trying to start it off and they had absolutely no marketing um, or really sales experience. And they offered to bring me into the business for my experience um, in that field. And 
even though my husband was like, are you sure this is a good idea? <laughs> Listen to my husband from now on is my, my real nugget of truth. Um, no, we, we went into business. Um, it ended up to where uh, the partnerships didn't work. Friendships um, turned sour. Uh, so ultimately the business and the partnership dissolved. Yes, the business and the partnership dissolved. And what I can say of the biggest nugget that I learned um, on partnerships is I don't believe the whole thing don't get into par- partnerships with your friends it can work the real key is making sure that you are all on the same page and that you all have the same goals and the same ideals of business um because if you don't it just won't work and if you don't work that out in the beginning you're just asking for failure later beautiful Uh, i think that's a good point to take our first break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back to dive into some more take a few sips of beer (laughs) there we go be back in a second Cake makes it easy. Thousands of restaurant operators are using Cake POS and loving it. With its easy, simple to use, and intuitive interface, how could you not? Cake users are achieving peak satisfaction with 24-7 customer support, not to mention lifetime access to Cake University. No wonder customer satisfaction scores are so high. Everything about Cake is simple, including its POS integration with Cake Guest Manager and Google Reservations, which basically allows your guests to book reservations or get on wait lists straight from Google search or Google maps. That's pretty rad. This simple integration alone has increased guest count by as much as 25%. To learn more about how Cake makes it easy, head over to trycake.com slash unstoppable. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can save $750 off activation for Cake Point of Sale. But you have to use my links. Again, that's trycake.com slash unstoppable. All right, we're back, and we're about to dive into how the vision for Brixons came to be. So take us to where you really started to have that vision, and the take us through that, that whole process of committing to opening a restaurant to where you are today. Um, so I think I went about things differently than you always <laughs> recommend that people do. I went for... I went for it all, all at once, but it didn't actually start out like that. Um, so I was at a crossroads in my career and I started taking a bunch of interviews, like good interviews, you know, um, one of them was for going and opening different chain restaurants. And my husband already traveled a ton at the time and I would be traveling 80% of the time. And I was like, Oh, how, like, how are we going to make this work? So I really didn't know what I wanted to do at that point. And I was talking to a friend of mine and I had mentioned that I always wanted to do my own thing. Like eventually I told him like, he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to own my own restaurant and bar one day, like one day. And he was like, so like try to figure out what it would take to do it now. And I was like, "Hmm." like I hadn't, I actually hadn't thought of that. Like, let's figure that out. Um, so it just took a ton of research, you know? And then, um, at first I started uh, thinking about opening a food truck and starting small and, uh, Albuquerque was rated at the time, I think when I first started looking at it, like fourth in the nation of great places to have food trucks. And then they changed all of the laws. Like right when I'm like, you know, I developed a business plan, all this stuff. And then all these new laws and city ordinances came into effect that would have made it very, very difficult. So um, back to square one, I started thinking, well, um, when I was looking to open the food truck, you had to look at commissary kitchens. So I had been looking at different commercial spaces that were available. And there was one right down the street from where we are now. I can actually show it to you. Um, and I went in and I looked at the space and I was like, this is, this is it. Like I could do this. It wasn't as big as the space we're in now. Um, had a tiny, tiny kitchen that was very reminiscent of a food truck. Okay. And, you know, so we, I started developing the plan for it. And then I had to um, 
tell my dad and my husband what Maya was thinking, <laughs> which <laughs> that was a shock for so them. Before you get into that, <laughs> I just want to highlight a couple of things uh, into your, from your story up to this point. And the one that really stood out to me is, you know, the, t- the day, you know, someday I want to open a restaurant. Like the day is never going to be perfect. Like the time is never going to be right. Uh, you just got to start. And that doesn't mean like buying a, a, a location or investing in a space now. It starts with educating yourself, the, writing your vision down, getting some kind of clarity as to what it would look like. But just starting is the catalyst, right? Once you take that first that first step, right? The first step is the hardest step. And take that step and then, you know, all of a sudden you got momentum, right? And like one thing t- like tails off of the other thing. And you want to reflect on that? Absolutely. And this is where you get all your credit. Um, so one of the things that I started doing to do that was I started listening to podcasts. I started listening to audiobooks. Um, some of the early ones that I found were like uh, Mixer G and Entrepreneur oh, I love, on Fire. I love those. Me we too. have these podcasts in common. They and, inspired uh, me to start my own podcast. Yeah. And I was I would listen to these people who had done what they dreamt of. And I thought, okay, like I can do that. Why, why couldn't I do that? Yeah. And then um, I listened to a food truck one. Oh, what is it called? Oh, by Pat Flynn. It isn't. It's not around anymore. But Pat Flynn is the podcast host behind Smart Passive Income. These are all the podcasts. Yeah. Tony and I were the same exact person <laughs> back in 2014, 2015. <laughs> Literally, I was doing exactly what Tony, Tony was doing. So I was thinking about my future and what I want to do with my life. And I just started listening to podcasts of people making money online. These entrepreneurs just sharing it, like you know, everything that they've learned through their journeys of entrepreneurism. And I was like, why the Christ is nobody doing this in the restaurant industry? Like, why aren't we sharing knowledge? Why do we hold our like, our knowledge and our our like our secrets so close to our chest, right? I wanted to break that, that, that culture that, that, that this industry is kind of known for. I'm kind of stealing the mic right now. I apologize. No, I, you're I striking the vein it. with me. <laughs> well, and then, and then when I did get to your podcast, why it, it's the one that I've listened to the most. I've listened to more episodes of your podcast than any other podcast. Um, but the reason that I did it is because I didn't know anybody in the restaurant industry in Albuquerque that was like high up and that I knew that I could go and be like, be my mentor. Yeah. I, I didn't have that, but I did have your podcast. So I could listen to all these people who'd already done what I was dreaming of doing mm. and just find, you know, even if it was this little nugget here and there, um, I remember one time I was actually cleaning the bathroom and I was going through the, um, my first lease at the other place that we didn't end up going through with. And I couldn't decide, like, do I, do I take the money to hire a lawyer? Cause lawyers are already really tight. And I was listening to your podcast. And for some reason, the guy was like, I remember when I first got my first place, if I hadn't had a lawyer, I would have gotten screwed on my lease. I'm like, he's talking to me. So the very next day I hired a lawyer, but it was little stuff like that. If you just keep your, your ears open and you keep your mind open, you'll find ways to get better and to solve problems. I love it. You're making me laugh because, um, as I was preparing for this interview, I mean, I know so much of your story already, but I was reading a a press release that you shared with the mastermind group like a year ago. And I was going through all the things that you did. And I was like, Oh, that was smart. Oh, that was smart. And all the things that you your that were I thought were smart, like getting a lawyer or things you're talking about now. And it's so flattering to know that you learned that through the podcast. That's yeah. kind of funny. Um, okay. So you're talking about um, having to, to share your, this news with your, your father. In, so what I was had, the news again? Uh, the, the, the space. The, yeah. So the fact that I had, you know, I'd already shared the news, like we're going to open a food truck and they're like, Oh my gosh, what are we doing? And then it was the news like, we're not going to open a food truck anymore. Guys, we're going to open a full blown restaurant. Get Surprise. ready for it. <laughs> um, so they handled it well. And we looked at that spot. And I always talk about this because I thought it was really interesting. Um, Do you ever make a decision and you feel like the whole world is like trying to tell you not to make that decision? I don't know if you've ever had that happen. Sometimes. I think I know what you're talking about. Sometimes I feel like the whole world is telling me I'm doing the right thing. Right. Yeah. So with that space, um, we we kept going through like, you know, 
the lease and then something would go wrong and then we'd have to start over again. And it was just like all this stuff that kept prolonging us signing the lease. And so we're right down to it signing. And I just had this weird feeling like, I just don't know if this is right, you know? And then all of a sudden the leasing agent disappeared, got fired, quit. I don't know. Couldn't find him for days. And then a new leasing agent came in and was like, we're going to have to start from ground one. I'm like, okay, like we're done. Like this is (laughs) just done. It's not right. How long did it take you to get to the point where you were agreeing on terms? Um, with both places, at least a month. We went okay. back and forth. Lawyers. That's a stressful time. Too. It this is. is the rest. And lawyers are so important to mm-hmm. anybody that's thinking of opening their own space, especially for the first time. Spend the extra money for a lawyer. Put it in your budget. They know so much more than you do. And it's, right. it's so valuable. You know, if you're going to try to get, say, 500000 to a $1 million uh, to open a restaurant, what's an extra fill in the blank you know i don't know what's throw out a number you think that you'd have to put aside for a lawyer this is where this is why i'm surrounded by mentors even like i don't think our lawyers are more than at the end of it 10 grand over the course of what's like another 10 grand it's in nothing. five hundred thousand dollars and it probably saved us so much money because right? they knew everything to add like clauses that i didn't know were important well, do you remember knew. some of the clauses that you would have overseen if you didn't have a lawyer um a lot of them were the in this place where the responsibilities of the landlord and the tenant, if anything were to go wrong, which everything has gone wrong in this place, and I'm sure we'll go through it. Um, <laughs> this might not be an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> um, so they, they know what language to put in there. They're protecting you, and that's their whole goal. And your landlords, they have those lawyers. Yeah. They have the lawyers that are protecting them and their needs. And if you don't have somebody who's standing up for you, um, I've heard horror stories recently from around town from a certain property owner that puts clauses, performance clauses in their um, leases that the people don't really understand what those mean and they've gone and locked their doors because they don't think that they're performing up to the landlord standards. I'm curious. I meant, to, I meant to ask you this before we started, but uh, I won't mention any names because I want to respect people's reputations, but two doors down. Um, the next block down, same side of the street, great reviews. I was going to go there for lunch and there was literally a lock on the door. Yeah. And I was like, what? Like, I would have never seen this coming. Is that one? Um, actually, <laughs> actually, no. I think that I think that they closed for a whole different reason. Oh, but okay. that's super exciting because we just looked at that space today and we're looking at finally Teaser. opening up yeah, a second location. So um, I got you. So I'm, I'm digressing. Yeah. Back to uh, the, the train of thought that you were on before, which was the, the importance of lawyers, what the, the clauses, the things that they taught you about, whether you wouldn't have known about. You, what, you just wouldn't. And so especially... It's just my word of advice to anybody that's doing this for the first time. Um, Get people who are smarter than you about those, especially those legal requirements. Reach out. And people are willing to help. You know, we, uh, the health inspector, we didn't pay him, but I asked him a thousand questions. And, you know, we just had our health inspection. That's another point. Like, the state pays for a lot of services. Don't just, like, don't think of the health inspector as your enemy. Oh, no. That's your friend. Ask them everything, like anything that you are concerned about. They're there to make sure that you're successful. They're not there to try to close your business. They're there to make sure that you're safe. Exactly. They want to make sure that their citizens are safe. But um, I asked him a ton of things. We revised things. Um, We just got our health inspection on Wednesday. And the most you can get is 214 points. We got 213. That's awesome. I know. And so, but we wouldn't have done that had we not asked the questions because I didn't know, mm-hmm. you know? It's okay not to know. Again, yeah. show your vulnerabilities. Like it's so the more you're willing to admit you don't know, the more people are willing to help you out. Right. Um, so another thing you mentioned, the importance of surrounding yourself with people who are, are smarter than you are stronger in certain fields, your partners, um, you, your partners are your, your dad, your husband and another friend who has a lot of Maybe Ooh, that was back in the day. Yeah, it started. he's uh, he's not with us right now. Um, 
which is a whole nother story again. <laughs> um, but we can get into it. Uh, but my dad, he's been an accountant. Um, I don't think he ever wanted to be accountant, but it was a family business and he just went into it. But he knows everything about accounting that I would never want exactly, to know. Right? Um, and my husband and I, we, for all those people who work with your significant other, everybody knows it's a really unique dynamic. Yeah. And we work together so well. I, my husband traveled a lot before this and we've always gotten along great. We've always made a great couple, but we work amazingly well together. We just, you know, he's strong when I'm feeling weak. Um, he's good at all of the stuff that I'm not good well, at. But prior to this, he was in um, the construction, construction industry. Yeah. So to come, he knows like all yeah. the plumbing codes, all the electric codes, everything exactly. that again I don't right? want to so know anything you're, about. You're talking about surrounding <laughs> yourself with lawyers, but also who are the people that you're going to business with? Are they bringing something to the table? Um, you have a unique experience working in the industry, right? With the as in college before in previous careers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your, your eye for design and marketing. So that's huge check boxes, right? Your dad with the accountant, huge check box huge, and yeah. then construction, huge, you know, design like yeah. that hands on person. Like how much money have you saved on just, well, get- and even we made my, I had the idea for these tables. Our tables are really unique. They're handmade. They have ice chests in the middle of every cooler, cooler in every table. They're great for um, catching spills. Yes, when they happen, exactly. Like <laughs> um, but I had the idea and I presented it to my dad and Ryan and they're like, okay, we'll achieve it. And they made every single table in the restaurant by hand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, I'm good with the ideas. They're good at execution. Yeah. <laughs> but you, so great no, for me. <laughs> like you get it, finding partners um, who have their lanes, right? And it sounds like you did a really great job of, of finding partners that complement you, right? Anything else you want to add to that? Again, I think what I just mentioned previously, it doesn't matter if your partners or family, friends, anybody, um, somebody you just met off the street, before you get into business, you have to have really hard talks with them. And like you what? have what those, to say, what are those talks look like? you have to figure out how you want your culture to be. Um, but even if you don't know what that means, you have to figure out how you want to treat your employees. You have to figure out if you want open or closed book management, you have to figure out, um, what are you guys willing to take for compensation when the business is getting going? Are you willing to forego that for a while? Do you really need compensation to live? Um, you have to work out these. It's the hard conversations. Yeah. yeah. They're really, really hard. And especially if you know somebody really well, um, you know, it gets on, like you said, it gets uncomfortable, but that's the only way that you're actually going to get to the truth. So you just have to have those conversations. I love it. Awesome stuff. So you, when you came to your, uh, your father and your husband and you said, Hey, scratch the food truck idea. Like we're going to go straight <laughs> brick and mortar. How do they handle that? They have this unbelievable trust in me that I don't know if I deserve. Um, but I'm good at researching. I'm good at coming up with complete business plans. I mean, that was one of them. I presented just as if I were to go to a bank and ask for money. I presented them with that complete of a business plan. Like, okay, guys, you don't have to worry. This is how we're going to make it successful. So it's not like I just came to them and said like, okay, I have this crazy harebrained idea to open a restaurant. I said, okay, we're going to open a restaurant. It's going to seat this many people. This is how many people we have to get through the door. This is going to have to be our average ticket price. This is how much we're going to have to spend in labor. This is how we're going to get it done. And my ideas were completely off. I'm not going to lie. But at least they knew, like, okay, this is thought out. This isn't just some harebrained scheme. You know, yeah. this is what it's going to take to get open. And then they also knew that we were going to have to adjust. But if there's anything that I would say positive about myself is that I will research the crap out of 
everything and I will figure out a solution to the problem. So yeah. that's what we did. So when you're making these projections, like, um, I mean, I think it's really important to know that you don't have to be spot on, but even having a target on a projection gives you something to, to track. Was I off? Um, if you were off, then correct. So like make a new projection. But, but if you have no projection and you're not tracking it, you're just going to be kind of willy-nilly, right? Uh, so just showing that you have those targets uh, shows that you're serious, right? And it's so yeah. powerful. What were the unique selling propositions of your plan that you think made them buy in? Um, one is that I've cooked for them. <laughs> I'm not trying to be cocky, but... I can cook really good food. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the start and it comes from the the soul. And so we knew that we had the talent and we knew that we had a product. Um, It was figuring out how to actually market that product to make it a valuable concept to other people. Um, So I think that that was one. Um, By the way, I used live plan, I believe it's called to make the business plan. And that was hugely helpful because business plans themselves are overwhelming. Mm -hmm. If you have to, if you have to create something to show business partners or to show a bank or to show investors, um, I would definitely recommend that. If you don't have a business degree and you don't know where to start with a life plan or with a business plan, a life plan is basically a template for your business plan. It's a, it's a, it's on the website, right? Like it's a, how does it work? Take us through the process of what that looks like. So what was really great about it is, is that they actually have different templates set up, but they also have different templates for different businesses. So even if you're a sit-down restaurant, if you're a quick service restaurant, they have those different templates. And you don't, I mean, they have an idea, like a description of this is what this paragraph could look like. So you're not copying them verbatim, but at least it gives you an idea. Yeah. Because you're like, Oh, okay. So that's the information that they're looking for, for this area. And so it's, it makes, it takes what is this daunting process and it makes it doable. Just the confidence of knowing that like you're checking all the boxes, right? Cause you can go through the template and make like things that you wouldn't think of. Otherwise it gives you that confidence that like I haven't oversaw anything. And also like cash flow analysis. Nobody knows how to do that. Like unless you're my dad and an accountant. (laughs) Um, But it just guides you through it. It, You know, it asks you for some basic information and then it does all of the algorithms and everything else. So it's a hugely beneficial tool. The other really cool thing is, is that you can actually keep your business plan going on it for a minimal price. And it lets you actually check back to see how your actuals are doing to your projected. Um, so if you're looking for more funding in the future, you can actually keep track of that as well. Awesome. Awesome stuff. So I know your whole story, so it's hard for me to keep track of where we are in the timeline with this conversation. So at this point you, you scrapped the idea on the first location, right? The commissary wasn't going to work because you, you had a new, um, realtor that you were working with or agent that you were working with? The the space was small. The the kitchen was so small that um, it still sat about a hundred, no, a little, I think 90 people off the top of my head, but the kitchen was the size of a food truck and there was no storage and it was little things that I didn't know to be as scared about as I would be now. Um, but there were just all these things that kept happening, like the plumbing, you know, uh, then we would have to figure out something else. And then there were all these problems that just kept happening. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. With having to renegotiate all the terms. Yeah. I was just like, it's just, it's just not, we're not supposed to do this. So anyways, I, was driving it's just down the street so I just had lunch with my dad and my grandma and I was driving with my friend up the street and this space all of a sudden had a for rent sign on it um it ended up being for rent because it got raided by the FBI uh, FBI because they were like trafficking drugs and all kinds of crazy stuff through the building which just adds to it the building was built in 1908 and has a really cool interesting history um but anyways it was all of a sudden available I asked to see it and I think I saw it the very next day fell in love with it 
Uh, it's always been two different spaces. Um, we opened it up into one big space. Um, but I just, I just knew as soon as I walked in, like, this is it. This is, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is where it's supposed to be. Um, so yeah, it, it was, a that was that. And we moved, I changed the entire business plan. So I know when you were walking through this place, um, you were worried about whether or not you're going to be able to afford it, right? Absolutely. Um, we, <laughs> If you ask my landlords, we have an amazing rent. Um, however, <laughs> give us some like an idea of the space, the square footage, and all that before you. So it's fifty two hundred square feet. Um, it's always operated as two different spaces, and we had to do an incredibly large renovation to it. It didn't have sprinklers. It the plumbing, the electric, the um, HVAC, uh, all of them were out of code. Were these things that you were aware of before no, getting started? We were not. So remember all those uphill battles I was talking about at the beginning of this interview? This is we're starting to get into it. Now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the hood didn't work properly. Um, so it took us, we, we estimated it was going to take us six months to open. It took us over a year and a half. Um, that was with, we got a few months for free um, to help with our build out uh, from the landlord, but. So we were a year rent. and a half from signing the, the lease. So I think it was January of 2016, mm-hmm. right? And we opened July of 2017. Yeah. So I'm just curious because, well, maybe I should save this for later. Nah, screw it. I'll say it now. Um, not having that lawyer in your corner to, to look at like lease negotiations and to protect yourself. Do you think you would have made it to 2017 if you we, weren't protecting yourself? We barely made it. We really, really barely made it. And um, they helped us get more free rent uh they helped us when we found out that we had to put a sprinkler system in they helped us um negotiate that with the landlords when even though that hadn't been a part of our first of our actual rent um they helped us renegotiate it because it's something that should have been installed yeah. in the building previously but we still had to pay for part of so you for said half of ten thousand dollars is about what to budget for a lawyer in the beginning how much money do you think you would have spent if you didn't have somebody in your corner, just the sprinklers themselves. Um, we got, I think they ended up costing us around 60 grand. Wow. Um, just what they saved us in the sprinklers, it paid for themselves. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that's just one example. Yeah. yeah. So kind of, you were starting to go through like all the, 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 the challenges you had to take it from there. Um, I mean, every, like I can't even, I can't even in one hour tell you everything that happened during the build out. Um, but we we finally got it done. And we had some amazing. We had over fifteen hundred applications when we opened. I don't I don't even know how we went <laughs> through every single one. Um, we called references for all the ones we were interested in. We had people hired in October of twenty sixteen, and they waited till Jan- wow. till July of twenty seventeen to open with us because that's how many hurdles we had to go through. Um, we found out that the hood was installed completely, um, illegally. We had to completely redo the hood system. Oh, I Who mean, was on the was, hook for that? Uh, the landlord had to help out with that, but again, we had to go through lawyers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was just constant. And then the biggest problem, um, which we're actually still in a lawsuit now was the POS that we went with, uh, was a locally owned, um, installer yep. of a major a POS system, not one of the cloud-based ones, but one of the like older, more established Am ones. Am I allowed to say it? <laughs> That's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we had the POS installed, and when we first opened, 
we did our soft opening and it became very clear then that they had not only taken far longer to install it, they had given us a used system from a different restaurant and they hadn't installed it correctly. So everybody in the restaurant industry knows that a POS, the server puts in the order and it goes back to the kitchen and we have kitchen display screens. So it goes back to the KDS. Um, our orders wouldn't make it there randomly. Some would, some wouldn't. Some would show up and then randomly disappear or pop back up for no apparent reason. Um, We had, in the beginning, I remember, even for our soft opening, we had like hour and a half ticket times. Oh my gosh. That's not good for first impressions. Oh my gosh. The first six months of this business were so horrific. We only got by because we have amazing people working for us that are very, very kind to our guests. And the fact that we have really delicious food, um, because everything else was a nightmare. Mm. I mean, a, a nightmare. So I don't even know where to start right now. What I want to know is, you know, we hear about these challenges um, and I just want to know how, where were you digging deep inside? How did you find the willpower to continue to show up every day despite all these signs that the universe was showing you that you were on the wrong path, which you've proven to be wrong to this point, but. Um, I've heard other people say it, but the mentality that failure isn't an option, it's not. Um, we had put... We've literally put everything into this restaurant. My dad's entire life savings, my entire life savings, my husband's entire life savings. My grandma has pitched in. His mom has pitched in. Um, For us to fail fail would mean that I failed everybody that means the most to me. So Mm. it just wasn't going to happen. I just had to like pick myself up after every single hurdle and just tell myself like, all right, like, how am I going to fix this? Yeah. What are we going to do? I mean, this is enough to, to continue to show up, but you, the thing that I just admire so much about you and it, it was it, it shown through during all of our monthly mastermind meetings is despite all these challenges and you'd come to the group every month sharing like <laughs> guys this month, this is what happened. And it's just like, how are you? You were always so positive though. You know, you, you said everything with a smile on your face and you knew that you were, you were like up against it and you're like, like ready to break, but you were still so positive. Where did you find that? positivity um again my dad i think he always instilled in me is that it's all in your perception so regardless of what you're going through you could be going through the best or the worst time of your life and it's all in how you look at it what was the conversation how were you looking at it for me it was my first time owning a restaurant. So for me, I was like, okay, I knew that it was going to be rough. I didn't know it was going to be this rough, (laughs) but I knew that I was going to have to learn and I was going to have to do it as I went and that we were just going to have to figure stuff out. And we just came together as a group and we figured it out. Every single thing that was thrown at us, we figured it out. And then we just started laughing about it. We'd be like, who else has gone through this? I mean, what else happened? Um, for our two-year anniversary, I don't know if I've, sh- if I've shared this story with you. I'm allowed to cuss, yes? Yes, I do it all the time. We literally <laughs> had shit coming from the ceiling. The sewer pipe above our kitchen that leads to the upstairs artist loft broke, and literally shit was showering down. That happened on our two-year anniversary. Uh, were, were Yesterday, service when this yes, happened? Oh my we had goodness. to close the restaurant. Yesterday, we had bats. Oh. Literally <laughs> bats, you know, like the flying kind, had... Um, come into our building and we're flying around and we had to close down for service. We've had, um, we've had, I mean, I, we are for the first three months we were open. That's when we learned about the hood, not working properly. We couldn't use half of our kitchen equipment. The only thing we could use was the deep fryer and the flat top because the rest of it just caused too much heat. So we had to 
take our menu that we had originally planned on, cut it into a third, and then still try to tell people that we had this other amazing menu coming and still get them to come back for the food that we were able to serve. While working with a literal POS POS. <laughs> yes. Yeah. While not getting the orders in. <laughs> yeah. Like we it's just been it's been insane. But now we honestly feel like, okay, there's nothing that we can't handle. Like we're just gonna handle it. We're gonna get through it and we're gonna be better because of it. So So I mean you got a lot of um, because of I mean the, the, the just to even know that you were able to survive all these challenges hmm. is just amazing. Um, but you got a lot of uh, negative reviews early on. A lot of a lot of people writing nasty stuff online. How did you turn the? I guess what's the word I'm looking for? Um, disaster recovery or disaster management or whatever. <laughs> like how did you? take that situation and turn it into a positive thing into you mentioned just having incredible staff members right that were so positive and the food was so good how did you uh, protect your brand how did you hang on to your brand and st- still create to this day raving fans like wh- what's what's we the gave away a ton it? of free food okay um so i still tell my servers this today and in fact it, we had a situation happen the other day um but i truly believe that every problem only presents you an opportunity so you have, I have problems going out to eat all the time. Like they put cheese when I said no cheese or something stupid. Um, but what we've taught our employees to do is to just go above and beyond. So when there's a problem, when a guest has a problem, we automatically take care of the meal. We sit down and talk to them. We find out what went wrong. We give them a gift certificate to come back the next time. And I know that people say like free isn't necessarily the way to do it. But what we're trying to do is always incentivize them to come back. Mm -hmm. Like we don't just take care of that meal. Like, you know, oh, well, we'll give you a discount on your meal. We hope you'll come back. We're always figuring out a way to get them to come back. It could be as simple as like, you know what? Next time you come back, we have this amazing brownie that you have to come back for. It's going to be on me. Just come back in. Give us another shot. Shot, try it. How do they and know normally, that that you, they're going to get a free brownie? Do you give them a gift card or? Do yeah. They so have a- we actually have something that's super unique. I'll show it to you. Um, we actually, when I first made this, um, because I'd come from the marketing world, I realized that everybody has business cards. And that's kind of like what you do. You know, you meet somebody, you exchange your business card. And I thought that it was really weird that nobody in the restaurant industry really did that besides managers. So I created server business cards. So I created these business cards where the servers could put, um, it says like, hi, my name is, and you fill it out, Eric. And it says, visit us at Brixton's 4. And you could put like, great service. But I also give them the, pro- the power to say like, a free brownie. And so they can tell the person like, hey, you know, I'm Sarah. I was your server today. I'm so sorry that we had this little snafu. Even if it's something small, like we gave you regular fries and you ordered sweet potato fries. And even though we still brought you your sweet potato fries, this next dessert's on me. You know, we just take that extra step. It's exceeding expectations. Exactly. Them, and, right? and so if you, if you do that and something went wrong, um, say something goes wrong in a restaurant and the, the guest gets really upset they'll talk about it and everybody talks about this but if you do something so crazy and so unique to take care of the situation that's what they tell their friends like yeah my steak came out it was well done i'd obviously ordered it medium rare but then they brought me a whole nother plate they got all of us at the table desserts and they were the kindest people ever and told me that my next steak on on that i come in for is on them like oh my gosh you cannot believe what one overdone steak got me so do you budget for this how does that work so we do. Um, I do it as a marketing expense. We actually don't market. So um, we're actually just started 
uh, marketing a little bit more this year, but everything has been word of mouth. So that's we actually marketing. use it as a marketing <laughs> yeah, budget. Yeah, it is a marketing. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, I mean, that's, if, you're, if you don't have a big budget for marketing, that's what I would, like, you know, how, what would you say is a good number to, to put aside for this practice? I mean, it depends on your sales, but. I guess that's a good point, yeah. Yeah. Um, for, how, many, how many seats do you have here? Uh, we have 122. So what are you using for 122 seats? Um, honestly, I believe it's about, for us, our marketing budget altogether is about three to 5%, depending on, you know, the month and how it fluctuates. But I would say it's like one to 2%. It's not anything that's insane. It's just, that's something, a really small market. Yeah. Budget. It's yeah. just something to say like, Hey, like this, is, we actually care about you and we want you to come back. So. That's so how do you know you're staying within those parameters? How do you, how do you track that? Um, so again, my dad's an accountant and he <laughs> provides me with constant P&Ls, but I also have my own spreadsheet that I take, that I keep up every single day and I call it my um, weekly prime cost, prime cost tracking. So I put in every single thing that I know impacts my bottom line on a week to week basis. So I constantly know where I am as compared to my prime cost goal. Um, and it's a simple spreadsheet, but it's something that I have to know because he provides me P&Ls but that's from like the last four weeks Mm -hmm. and there's nothing I can do about it now, but I can do something about it if I'm looking at it on a day-to-day basis, which I do. And so if this week I got a great deal on wine, so I ordered 12 cases of wine, which I do, um, (laughs) that takes my alcohol budget way over. So, but I know that next week, Hey, like I got this, or I'm not going to order like some of this other stuff I was planning to order this week. I can wait to next week and then I can still stay where I need to be. So it's just constantly keeping track of your numbers. So what's the, what's the, it's the power of tracking, mm-hmm. right? When you're tracking, you know exactly where you are. You have a finger on the pulse of your business. And I know you also have transitioned to, maybe we'll get into this later, but another POS that has great analytics, great reporting. Um, I love them so much. <laughs> it's a true love relationship. Um, so we transferred to Toast. We got rid of um, our first system. Uh, we opened in July of 2017. We ripped it out uh, for the new year of 2018, and we got Toast. And... Um, it made such a dramatic difference in our business, not only for us and for our guests, but for our staff members, for our team members. I actually had one girl that told me, I am going to get their logo tattooed on my chest. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I know. Everybody just fell in love with it. Um, it's so user-friendly. It's, And we were dealing with such a bad situation that the fact that it just does its job and it does it well was a godsend. So regarding... Uh tracking in analytics and data which which reports are you using the most from that are you is your dad pulling from that the people so, get the numbers that's or? the great thing is that he gets to pull from it remotely um because he doesn't work on site and i get to pull what i need so i'm every single day um i'm looking at our labor costs i'm looking at our overtime i'm looking at our sales i'm looking at our you know our net i'm making sure that the taxes are put aside i can do all that and you know what's funny is that we are also using um avero which is a great system when we had the previous one, but it didn't really work because it wasn't able to It was meant tie to into play with mi- micros, not right. a, a, a cloud-based POS. Exactly. Yeah. So we don't, we don't use them anymore. But even from what I was able, like Toast has so many reports and um, it's just been, it's been amazing. Awesome. Um, man, there's so much to talk about. So bring us to the point, we kind of talked about all those original hurdles you had to go over. Um, some of the current, even to this day, the challenges you're facing. When did things really start to turn around? Take us to that, that hinging point where you, you started to catch stride and bring, bring us there. Um, when so when the was great, that, would you say? How long did so it take? The great thing was is that we always got great reviews about the food. So even when people were upset about the timing, um, even our first six months, so for 2017, we still got best of the city, best of Albuquerque from the different things. We still got, you know, great 
reviews for things that we were doing right. Um, we were definitely not somewhere you came if you were in a hurry. (laughs) 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 But when we got toast, um, honestly, things started turning around when we were actually able to do our jobs. 2017, the beginning or 2018. 2018. So we, yeah. Yeah. So, um, we, the restaurant industry was so hard and we're, you know, we're battling all the time. And when we got toast, um, Ian, who I always talk about, he's been the manager that's been with us from the beginning and he's just amazing. Um, but he always likened it to when you go up to batting practice and you're swinging with two bats. And then when you finally just have one bat in your hand and you swing through and it's so light and it's so easy and you connect with the ball and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is how it's supposed (laughs) to feel. That's the feeling we had. We were like, Oh my gosh. Like we actually just get to focus on giving amazing service and getting food out. And like the POS does what it's supposed to like, we got this. Um, so that was just a huge relief and we really just started gaining momentum. I feel like obligated, not even, that's not the right word. I feel like I need to say like, Cake is also a great platform because <laughs> they're my current sponsors. They're going to be like, what are you doing? I have heard great stuff about them. <laughs> Cake is I also am going to say. a great platform. There's a really a, a ton of great solutions out there. Um, so, you know, check them out, check them all out and see what's best for you. But some of these older, I mean, some people will argue that, that they'll say like, oh, the legacy are still great and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, they've gotten kind of, I think they, 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 they let their early success really build up their egos and then they just don't care for their customers. Like I've heard it from different people, like these, these newer, scrappier, more innovative companies are doing. And, um, those cloud-based, uh, solutions like cake, like toast, like, I mean, there's a bunch of out, out there are really great solutions. So do check them out. And even when, right, my husband and I do take a step away from the restaurant, even if it's just running to the stores or running to grab a quick bite to eat, it's so nice that we know everything that's going on. I mean, not only do we have cameras everywhere, but we can check to see, you know, we always check, okay, where are we when we left? This is where we are in sales. This is where we are in food items. Like we know if they only go up 30 food items, they're okay. We know if they go up a hundred food items when we're gone for an hour, like they're having a rough time in the kitchen and they need us back. (laughs) I think the point is like, don't underestimate your technology. You're like really, um, and we use a ton of technology. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's so much we can talk about anything that we haven't discussed up to this point. We're at an hour of recording time, anything that is near to and dear to your story, to your heart, uh, any hard lessons you had to learn things that maybe things that you think you did right. Um, the the key things that you did right, summarize those, or maybe the, the things you did wrong, summarize that. Um, absolutely. So one I would love to talk about a little bit more is all the technology that we do use. Yeah. Um, again, I heard about it through, oh, and the mastermind. Um, the mastermind was huge for me. Uh, so me and Joe and Colton, we're all going through a really similar phase of our restaurant. We were all opening it up at the same time, and that was super interesting. But then there were people like Sandy and Oscar that had these established restaurants, and it was so beneficial to hear like what they're like learn what they already knew. I mean, I can't even tell you how beneficial those masterminds were for me. So thank you for that. That makes me feel so glad to hear. (laughs) I don't have to like to inflate my ego or anything, but she's talking about the restaurant unstoppable masterminds that I was hosting two years ago. And I've been thinking I brought back, I've done it one more time since then. Um, and I hope to do it again in about six months after this, or at least four months after this, um, this next road trip wraps up. Cause it's hard for me to show up for those. I don't know what my Wi-Fi is going to be like when I'm yeah. on the road, but uh, if you're interested in those masterminds, you know, shoot me an email, Eric at restaurant unstoppable, get on the waiting list and I'll keep you guys posted as to when I'm going to be kicking off the next round of masterminds. And I'm, I did not put Tanya up to this plug, by the way, and she's <laughs> flattering me. And I'm, it's so, it's so humbling to know that that, that served you so well. It really did. Um, <laughs> the other thing is all the technology we use. Um, so we actually have the electronic menus that I learned about through that mastermind, um, menu Vative. Uh, they are really unique. Past sponsor on the show. Um, they're phenomenal. They do have their own sets of 
unique hurdles that you have to do, especially with your guests. Um, well, you have to train right? your yeah. staff how to guide your guests to use them because if not, then the guests just get angry mm-hmm. and super not frustrated. Like, What's this thing? Exactly. Clunk, clunk. Um, so we use that. Uh, we're looking. I'm. My goal is to always figure out a better new way to do something. So how can I save myself time? How can I save my staff time? How can I do something that's a little bit easier? I've changed scheduling software on them five times. They're so understanding with me, though. They're like, all right, Tanya, (laughs) let's do this. (laughs) But I actually went back to seven shifts. Um, Seven shifts is by far the one that's worked best for us. Um, but just always looking for a better, more efficient way to do things. And we use technology. So to what do is that. it about seven shifts that's so unique that works so well for you? Um, the integration with our, uh, toasts. Um, and I know that they integrate with a ton. Um, but one of the things that's killing us right now is overtime and, uh, we do everything from scratch. So we have a ton of prep labor. Our prep cooks are fantastic, but they are here all the time mm-hmm. and to get ahead, they'll come in an hour and a half early or they'll stay an hour and a half late and when i'm doing other things or i'm on the line it's not always clicking with me to tell them like hey guys like it's time for you to go home and spend time with your family yeah um but with toast um i can set my parameters that they're not allowed to clock in this many minutes so are you before. going through this with seven shifts or through toast so or? they integrate together okay. so i can tell seven shifts and toast like so seven shifts gives toast what their schedule is. And then it also tells toast, like they're not allowed to clock in more than 10 minutes before their shift starts. They're not allowed to clock. So they out. go to try to clock in and it won't let them. And it gets manager approval. So then I get to have a little coaching session with them. Like, I love your enthusiasm. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, However, thank you for caring. Yeah. Exactly. We have to have a labor budget that we can stick to so that we can afford to pay you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's just small things like that, you know, really taking technology and um, there's so much out there yeah. like, and we're, we're adopting a new one that I'm super excited about um foodager and beveger so we're gonna start that um so you, probably tomorrow what's, new, what's the deal with these two new technologies that's so innovative that is making you want to go with their i'm really excited about them too i hope it works out um so what they do is inventory so um i'll kind of show you around but our inventory is a nightmare to take. We have over 100 beers. We have over 40 wines. We have a huge back bar. We have a ton of different things that we use in our storage, and they're all over. So we have, um, and then my dad, being the accountant that he is, is always demanding he needs his physical inventories. And it is a nightmare to take them. And right now we're doing everything by spreadsheet. So I started researching different ways to do it. I wanted a barcode scanner. I wanted to make like my life more efficient. Um, Brie, who takes inventory for me, I wanted to make her so happy. Um, so I started investigating all these different companies. And the ones that weren't restaurant-specific, I couldn't make them work with the different case sizes and you know liquids. Like, I need to measure liquids here, and I need to measure pounds here, and I need to do this, and I need to do that. Um, so inventory is a big one, and they make taking that just so much easier. Like, I'm really excited. I'm so, so excited to take inventory. <laughs> so I'm curious, um, uh, prior to... Well, you haven't implemented it yet. You're about to. Yes. But currently, how many? What are you, what are your labor hours looking like weekly so, to, to to you know have somebody do inventory? So we pay Bree, um, our amazing amazing Bree. Um, she comes in and just for food, it takes her at least four hours. Um, for liquor, we have to help her, and that takes her at least so that's another. Your, that's her time and your time. Yeah, and it's at least another five to six hours. So that's like ten hours of time, which doesn't sound like much, but it really is because that's only. To take the physical inventory, week. yeah, and then we have so to 40, import it into the hours. system, yeah. No. So you got forty hours. And How much? What would you? What value between your time and her time and everybody's time would you put on that forty hours a week? 
I mean, so, I mean, we pay her $15 an hour, which doesn't sound like, you know, oh, that's not too bad. But then I have to take my time out of it, especially like the, with the training process. And we're constantly getting new beers and we're constantly getting new wine. So I have to keep those up to date. And if I don't, that makes her life harder. And then once she gives me that, I have to import it in, into, you know, our actual spreadsheets on the computer. And it's just, I mean, for their, for their services, it's not cheap. It's like $300 a Plus month. Plus your time. But we're looking at at least $400 a yeah, month, right? At um, least. Just to do inventory. How much time is that going to knock down having these systems? How much, I mean, you're going to pay for the service. How much, what's the monthly so fee for the service? It's not, it's not cheap. It's a $300 a month for both sides. But, um, the other thing that they do, which I'm super excited about is they completely streamline ordering. Um, you input all your different vendors and all your different products and you can order basically like as if you're ordering through Amazon. Um, and so how much could, time does that save you? Oh my God. A ton because only one of our vendors is set up electronically. Only one, which baffles me in, you know, 2019, the only one I can actually go on and enter yeah. electronically. Everything else, I have to look at my spreadsheet, see what I'm ordering from that vendor, go in, send them an email, like, hey, this is this, this is exactly what I need. And then sometimes, like, we're getting our wires crossed, so they send me the wrong product because I didn't include the product number, you know? Um, but then recipe cards. They do really, really good, cool things with their recipe so cards and recipe costing. Value. And oh, I'm so excited. The other variable, too... Um, you're paying this person to to do inventory. Um, now they can redirect their attention to something else. So you know you're compounding that time. You're getting you know you're you're freeing up that time to be better at something else, right? So what do you where do you hope you you redirect this time now that you have these systems? So with her, I, I keep laughing. She's amazing. So I told her as soon as I get her um, trained up on inventory, she's taking over scheduling because I hate scheduling. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's. It's also something that if you're constantly trying to make your employees' lives better and easier and their jobs better and easier, and you're willing to put in that little bit of extra effort on your time by finding the systems and the little bit of extra money that it costs, but they see that you care enough to do that for them, it just goes a long way. Yeah. So not only does it make our, our life and our systems more efficient, but it shows your employees that you are constantly wanting to get better. But you're also, that's going to lead to retainment, right? Mm-hmm. And then when we talked, we started this conversation talking about the importance of, you know, people don't do business with businesses. They do business with people. And when you have the same people on your team for a year and a half, right? Like they're developing relationships. People are going to go out to eat to see that person, to, to check in with that person. And that you can't put a value on that. And it's so hard to track that, but that, that longevity is so, you know, when you, when you, when you give the people the tools and the resources to do their job and you make sure that they stick around, like it's going to pay for itself tenfold. You won't be able to track it, but you just got to understand, you got to trust that it's going to be there. Exactly. I love it. I've loved this conversation. We're already in an hour and 10 minutes. We still have to do the speed round. Um, reflecting back. So, I mean, I think we covered a lot of the things that you've done well. Um, knowing what you know now, what's the one thing you would have done differently uh, to make your life easier up to this point? I would have researched POS better. And I know that that comes from a place of anger because of how badly it went. Um, but I, th- what the reason that I chose, um, we went with micros. Um, but it's not Micros' fault what happened because it was a local vendor, so I'm not really holding them responsible at all. Um, but how I chose them was probably the one of the worst ways that I made the decision. What I did is I wanted all of these technologies. I wanted table up at the time and I wanted hot schedules and I wanted um this in bar inventory that actually read the pores and there was Bad a spot? couple other ones. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. Bevintel maybe I think that one yeah. but anyways I wanted all these systems and the so instead of making sure 
So I wanted all these systems and I found that there were only basically two big POSs that I could go with that all of these littler, newer companies had already integrated with. Micros and Aloha. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> is and so I made my decision by backing myself into a corner from auxiliary technologies instead of focusing on the like, primary. Yeah, your POS is the heart and soul of your communication in your restaurant. And it is so important. And while all these different technologies, I love them and I'm totally geek out on them and I'm crazy about them. Um, but putting the priority where it needed to be and really figuring out the best solution um, instead of just putting myself into a corner and then deciding between two different companies and... Um, it obviously went really, really bad for us, but I would have, I would have done what I do so well. And I would have actually researched every company that I had access to and really made a better, more informed decision. Um, so I think that that's one thing that I would have done a hundred percent differently that would have created a, a different spot, but we've, we've gotten over it. We persevered. Um, we've, we've done some really, really great things and I'm so proud of what we've accomplished. And I so. couldn't be more proud of you <laughs> too. And you have no idea how good it's, how rewarding it's been to, to, to be on the sidelines and to, I'm not rewarding. That's not the right word. Just, I'm just proud of you. You know what I mean? I, I can't find the right words, but just to, to watch you overcome all these challenges and most importantly, just to stay positive the entire time. It's, it's inspired me. You know what I mean? And, and, hearing um you know how much the show how much value you've gotten out of the show and the mastermind has also just inspired me to keep showing up too and i want to thank you for that uh, for being vocal about how much this has supported you so thank you so much and i, I just couldn't be more more proud of you we, i want to wrap up uh, this free-flowing portion of the conversation um like every conversation going forward which is the whole idea of the show is to inspire empower and to transform the industry so how have you transformed over the past uh now going almost four years you've been since, since taking on this journey how have you transformed who are you today versus that woman then i have a perfectionist and control freak nature to me i have that side of me and um I think a lot of my little, you know, type A personalities out there, you think that having that makes you a good leader. Like I have these amazing standards and I know how to do things. And if we just do things my way, everything will be great. And it's actually parts of yourself that actually make you a bad leader. And it took me a long time to figure that out. And it's taken me a long time to learn that um, I don't have to tell people I don't have to micromanage people. I don't have to tell them, this is how I would do this. This is exactly what you need to do this. Step A, step B, step C, step D. What you have to do with people is you have to tell them like, this is what we want to achieve. This is what success looks like with this problem. This is my advice. And this is maybe how I would do it. But you have to give people the freedom to figure it out themselves. And you have to coach them. And it's taken me... Um, all these many years and I'm still working on it to realize that it's not just my way or the highway. I don't always know the best way to get things done. And I've opened myself up to learn from everybody around me. And by doing that, we're progressing much more quickly than just me doing it my way. Awesome. Great stuff. I've, I'm loving this com- conversation. I'm going to continue to love it. I'm sure we're going to take <laughs> one more quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back to bust out a speed round. 
If you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need, then you've got to check out Restaurant 365, a cloud-based restaurant-specific accounting and back office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data-driven decisions, no more guessing. Other features include detailed daily and labor data from your POS system, accounts payable automation, automated bank reconciliation, incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food costs, and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees, all saving you time, money, and headaches. Take action today and find out how Restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to 5% on Prime costs. That's awesome. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system, a value of 5K. So this probably does not come as a surprise to you, but as you can imagine, I look at a lot of restaurant websites because I'm constantly researching my next guest, successful restaurateurs, and you'd be surprised how many of those people have bento box websites. I mean, I almost know instantly when looking at these websites because they're always so stunning and they always check every box, everything that a good restaurant website should have. These websites have them, and it's because they're going to Bento Box to get the work done. And not only will Bento Box leave a lasting impression with your guests, but Bento Box websites come with hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online. With Bento Box, you can easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events directly from your website. Bento Box puts you in control so you can focus on what matters most, your restaurant. Bring your restaurant's hospitality online with bento box by signing up today at getbento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. All right, we're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Um, my constant desire to learn and to get better. I love it. What is your biggest weakness? that I take on too much and that I'm always trying to get so many things done at once that sometimes I don't prioritize and really pick the thing that needs to get done right then and there. Even though I create a thousand to-do lists for myself, um, I really need to work on making sure that I delegate more and that I'm really focusing on what the true priority is. I love it. What is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're growing your team? So we actually have a unique thing that we just started doing not too long ago. Um, we have a candy jar at the front, and we normally do our interviews at the back of the restaurant over at that table over there. Okay. And um, one of the things that we've noticed is that our most successful servers walk with a sense of purpose. And you don't normally see that when you're just sitting down and talking to somebody. So what I do is, like about halfway through the interview, I'll say, hey, we have this candy jar up at the front. Can you go grab a candy for me? I have a little exercise I like to do. And I watch how they walk over there. If they walk really unsure of themselves and they don't walk with a sense of purpose, then I know like they're a little bit more hesitant. Um, we have some people that hustle right over there, hustle right back with just so much 
um, confidence. And then I know that that's something that I can work with. Um, and then I have them sell it to me. I say, this is your special for the day. Sell it to me. And then you can also figure out what they do. Like, how are they going to sell? Do they just get super awkward and laugh at you and get nervous? Because if so, that means that they're not used to conversing with guests and they're not going to be able to sell it. But if they find a way to sell you that mint, they are going to be amazing oh, salespeople like Putting for them you. on the spot, right? I mm-hmm. love it. That's gold. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah, I love of course. It. You can learn so much from body language, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think people pay enough attention. They they focus on the answer, but they don't focus on what everything else is saying, like their, how they move, uh, what they're saying with their body. And that's just a great way to really take it all in. Great stuff. Um, what is your biggest challenge today? Everybody says it, but labor. Um, we try so hard to make it to where um we even let people set up their own interview times online like you did with me to set up the interview here um we let them pick their own interview time we let them reschedule it the amount of people that still don't show up is baffling to me um and then when you do get people when we get good people we hang on to them um we've had people here with us from the beginning we've had people here with us for i mean we've only been open for two years but We've had so many of our staff that have been with us. And when we find somebody good, we're like, you're staying. You're part of the family now, buddy. Um, but we've had one guy who lasted eight minutes because he told our training server that we had our standards were too high for him and he would never be able to last here. Well, at least he's, you Which know, is great. It's a great a problem time. to have, <laughs> yeah. but it's just, it's just crazy to me. Um, oh, so it's, it's a problem. But, so how are you overcoming that? Um, by really doing everything we can to be an amazing place to work, by really letting our people that we do have that are amazing know how much we appreciate them. We buy, we call them our kids. They call us like mom and dad. Um, we buy them snacks. We will make, have pizza parties. We'll, um, I'll cook them like special dinners. We buy them birthday cakes. Uh, I tell them how much I appreciate them on a day-to-day basis. I try to work with their scheduling parameters. If they're going out of town, I never make people feel bad about it. I celebrate with them. I'm excited on their vacations with them. You just try to be a great place to work. You know, it's funny. You mentioned in the beginning of this conversation that you weren't a parent, but I almost said that. And I was like, oh, I know. You, I bet you have a lot of kids these days. <laughs> yeah, we, say, we always say we have 40 kids. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh-oh, what is one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team a way to be a way to act um so again this comes from ian our manager he worked um in like michelin star restaurants in new york he worked at like jean george and uh um eric repairs uh yeah LeBernardin. um so he worked at both those restaurants and he came with this ideal that um he calls it blind mowing but blowing people's minds and so we always tell people do whatever you can to make them have an experience that they've never had in a restaurant before. Just do one thing that just blows their mind. So they say like, oh my gosh, like what is this place? Give me an example of something your team has done uh, to blow somebody's mind. Um, so what's a good example? Uh, our, our menu is really unique in that we make almost every, so we have about 35 menu items because we make everything from scratch and we rotate them all the time. And we can make almost every single one of them be vegan, vegetarian, or gluten-free. Um, and our staff, they have to study so hard to work here. Like, it's a really hard place to work because it's almost like taking a course. You have mm-hmm. to learn what all those dietary restrictions mean. You have to, you know, really understand what we do. Um, but even on a day-to-day basis, people who come in with uh, allergies or dietary restrictions, they just can't believe how much care and concern we take to provide them with food that they can enjoy safely. Yeah, what's we a- use different fryers. We, um, the back of house, you know, it's it's a... 
even the back of house is so concerned about the guest experience. We use different utensils. We use different cutting boards. They take everything so seriously because we know how important it is for our guests. So when they find out that that's just part of our daily code of conduct, that we make sure that we're doing everything we can to make sure that they're safe and happy and can eat a delicious meal, it just it just wows them. Yeah. And they're, they feel important. And it's just that culture of not saying no. Like, no is not in your vocabulary. And when you remove that word from your vocabulary, people start to say to themselves how can I do this? Like in, in your mind, our mind, the human mind is such a beautiful thing. It will think of so many solutions. It, when you, when you flip the switch in that frontal lobe, it will get creative and it will find a solution. So just having that mentality of like, we will figure it out, you know, we'll take you so far. I yeah. love that. And we do, we, we let them, you know, if they want to build their own menu item, some restaurants are like, Oh my gosh, here we're just like, all right, let's do this. Like, let's make it delicious. Oh, I love it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what is one uncommon? Actually, you know, I think you just killed two birds with one stone, one uncommon standard of service you teach your team i'm gonna let you unless you have another one locked and loaded that's good uh, that's good we'll, we'll two birds one stone on that one what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner so i love books and i'm reading all of the time so you know um ari weinswag uh his book um the customer's zingerman's guide to customer yeah. service that one was phenomenal um that's a short read it's only it's like 50 so pages short. and, and it's there's like, like so much it's just, like a manual more than anything else and there's so much implementable you know, you can read it and you can implement it right away. And so that's what great one, but what what's I, one lesson from that book? One nugget you, you took from that book. They talk a lot and I, I teach my staff this on their orientation, but they talk a lot about, like, I think they call it the 10 and four rule. But if you're within 10 feet of anybody, you smile at them. Yep. It's a, such a simple thing, but you smile at them. And if you're within like four feet or two feet, I don't remember it exactly. You know, say hi, say something like be nice to your guests. That's all they're looking for. Um, but even beyond that, I try to look for inspiration in everyday life. I was going to tell you this story. Um, so the other day I walked to my desk and the office, I we have a tiny office and no storage space in this building. So all of the employees, they just pile stuff in my office, like broken chair, put it in the office, like random book, put it in the office. <laughs> so the other day there's this giant um, furniture catalog on my desk. And I'm like, why? It's like, you know, 12 feet, I mean, 12 feet, 12 inches big, you know, it's that thick. And I open it up, and on the first page is a letter from the owner of the company. And it's actually posted um, right above my computer right now because I ripped it out of the book. And it talked about how being a great leader makes people feel uncomfortable. And you have to be okay with that as a leader, and you have to learn to embrace it. And it was such a moving thing in the front of a, in the front of a furniture catalog um, but just being open-minded and looking for inspiration everywhere. So it doesn't matter if it's a restaurant book. It doesn't matter if it's a entrepreneur book. Like, you know, it, it can come from anywhere. Just keep your mind open and just absorb. Awesome stuff. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough? Appreciate their team and tell them so. Um, I always, t so I'm in the back in the kitchen all of the time and there's times because we're, you know, we can only afford one manager and like a couple shift managers besides my husband and I. So there are times where we're all in the back trying to get that food out for those guests in a timely manner. And so what we teach our staff is like, they are the face of our company. They are the ones that interact with our guests the most. So it doesn't matter if my manager is fantastic with the guests because he might not even interact with every guest. What matters is that our 
is that our employees are happy. They feel appreciated. They believe in what we're trying to achieve and they understand what we're trying to achieve. And I think that a lot of restaurateurs don't, don't understand the value of that. Um, because they think like, if I'm not the one to visit the guest, if I don't do this, if I don't do that, you can't do everything yourself. So you have to have your employees know that they're loved, know that they're appreciated and really believe in what you're doing so that your guests feel it. Awesome. Uh, what is one piece of technology you've adopted within your four walls that's had a huge impact on your operation? I've already told you all of them. I know, <laughs> but I have to ask the question. Um, what's one that I haven't talked about? Um, I mean... Just summarize them real quick again, and I'll just, this will be a reminder that if you head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 651, I'll have a list of all the tools and services recommended today. Go through them one more time. Well, we use Toast. We use OpenTable, which a lot of people don't love OpenTable. We've had an amazing experience with it, so I do want to give them a shout-out to that. Um, and we did use a different software previously for reservations, so I really loved them. Um, we use Seven Shifts. We're looking at Foodager and Bevager. Oh, and there's another one that I don't think many people know about that we're looking at using called Tablee, T-A-B-L-E-E. And it's like a rest. So they have like a little pager system um, where they are alert. Their, ser- their guests can alert your server and your servers have little smartwatches. Um, and we're looking at seeing if something like that would be great because, you know, they're all about service on demand. There's so many times where you're like trying to give good service. So you're hovering over a table or you don't know if you should go up and their whole thing is that you can just press a button when you're ready for another beer and that way you're not bugging your table um so it's something we're looking at but it's interesting awesome so again just from the top we were looking at toast open table seven shifts foodager bevager and tably i'll have a link to all those tools in the show notes and this is the last question it's a doozy are you ready for it i'm so ready (laughs) if you got the news you'd be leaving this world tomorrow all the memories of you your work and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy what would those three pieces of wisdom be um your actions matter and what i mean by that is that every action that you take is either going to move you closer to your goal or further from it. And that's hard to think about because we make so many decisions in a day, but really think about what you're doing and how it's going to affect whether you're getting closer to your goal or further from it. That's one. Um, always strive to get better. Don't get complacent. You know, it's, it's so easy. Like we started off this conversation to just say like, we're doing good because we are doing good right now. And it's, a relief. But at the same time, if we start getting complacent, we're just going to keep falling backwards. So always strive to get better and to keep learning. That's two. Um, finally, let the people that you love know that you love them. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, especially me, I get so caught up in my goals that a lot of times family and friends, um, I don't take the time that I should even just send them a text to say like, Hey, I'm thinking about you and I love you. So if I were to leave the world, I would hope that everybody that I do love knows how much I appreciate them. Oh man. I have loved this conversation. <laughs> I've loved my time with you. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to share your story, your knowledge, your mentorship. Uh, let the folks at home know how can we connect with you? If we have any questions about the tools and services you recommended or the, the 
anything else you shared with us, what's the best way to connect? Maybe we'll want to come join your team. What's the best way to connect? Um, so the name of the restaurant is Brixens. That's B-R-I-X-E-N-S. Um, so you can go to our website. We have a little link on there where you can send us a message. And my name is Tanya, T-A-N-Y-A. And so my email address is Tanya at Brixens. And for any new restaurateur out there who is just overwhelmed or thinking like, I don't know what to do next, I'm always open for an email or a conversation because I know how hard it is. Yeah. And the restaurant business is so hard, but it's also such a great community. Everybody's willing to help each other if you just ask for it. I almost forgot to ask you to call somebody out. Who's one person you respect and admire? uh, Somebody you look up to and you believe would make a great guest mentor like you made for us today. So I've already told you this, but I'm going to call her out on on your show now. Uh, Jennifer James, um, she's a local restaurateur here. She has what I, from what I know of her story, and I don't know her um, well personally, like we know each other, we, we wave, um, but she's had a few different restaurants, concepts. She cooks from her heart. She has probably the best steak I've ever eaten, um, and I've eaten a lot of steaks, <laughs> <laughs> um, but she works really closely with her partner, Nellie, and they've just created something really unique, and I think that they they do what they do from their heart, and it shows. And Jennifer so, James. Jennifer James and her partner is Nellie. Jennifer James and Nellie, look at how I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. And um, I just can't say it enough. It's been such a, a privilege to to watch you on your journey, to be inspired by you overcoming all these obscure challenges that just present themselves to you. And you've handled it like such a champion. And it's been such an honor to share your story and to make an example of you, Tana. Tanya. <laughs> Aww, thanks, Eric. And from my point of view, like... I think that sometimes you underestimate yourself and how much impact you do make on the people who listen to you, but you should know that what you're doing matters and it matters to all of us. And we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to serve. It really is. But thank you for saying that. You're welcome. I think we'll, before I start to cry, I'll wrap it up there. (laughs) Uh, It's been a blast. Cheers. Thank you, Eric. (laughs) All right. There's another one in the archive here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Thank you so much to today's guest mentor for sharing your story, your knowledge, and your guidance. We are all better because of it. And ladies and gentlemen, I need to let you know that Jared and I are back on the road beginning September through November. We're going to be hitting up Denver, Colorado, Los Angeles, San Francisco, San Diego, pretty much anywhere and everywhere in between. So if you're out there and you're listening to this and you know of a mentor that needs to be made an example of a, a restaurant tour, doing it right, please put them on my radar. Hit me up, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com, Instagram, Twitter, at Eric Cacciatore, Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. Also, we're looking for crash pads. So if you have a spare bedroom or you have an Airbnb that you want to let Jared and I use to uh, you know, live this mission of transforming the industry, we could use your support and thank you in advance. You know how to get in touch with me. Again, that's eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Peace.